Hello and welcome to episode 478 of Fergal on the Freak. I'm the bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going well, Andrew. How are you? Oh, mate, it's been such a long time since the last episode. I know. A, lot, a lot's happened. Yeah, a lot of water under the bridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, God, there's an awful lot to catch up on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I had a drink of water in that time. Excellent, excellent. That, that That's all that's happened. Is so there's uh, much, hap- much happening in rugby league these days. Um, well, I, I usually go to um, NRL 360 to find out what's been going on in the news, but it's been a bit quiet over there. So I've had to look yeah, around online. That. This is really weird how they handled the allegations against Paul Kent. Yeah, they basically just talked about the Dragons incessantly. Yeah, I only saw the opening of the show because I don't watch NRL 360 anymore. Nah, right. um, but but yeah, I saw the opening of the first show they had and they just kind of brushed it aside. They didn't want anything to do with it. Um, Although interestingly, mm-hmm. they've completely wiped all footage of Paul Kent from all of the promos and everything like that. Yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? He did not exist. He's a figment of our imaginations. Yeah, that when they got rid of the back back uh, catalogue of shows that he was on, it, it, I know that that was. Uh, I, I thought that was a weird move. Yeah, so I suppose we're supposed to take it like it was all just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> It's like going through an entire story and you get to the end and then and then I woke up. Then I You're woke like, up. What? It was just a fucking dream. It's just um, a terrible, terrible dream. Yeah. We won't go down that path of what went on there. Um, needs to say, it might be a while before we do our next Ask Kenty. <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. It's... like uh, All I kept thinking... Like, there were two things that jumped out at me when I found out the news you know the first thing was that like if if something happened there's a victim that's there you know and i you know and i think that i understand people's reactions to to finding out the news but i think that some people kind of forgot that there was a victim or there was an alleged victim in in this. It tends to happen, though, especially when football players do it. People, uh, you'll always find there'll be a bunch of people that will come out to defend their favourite football player. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's no one to defend in a situation when it comes to um, alleged domestic violence. Yeah. Um, There's no, you can't take, Sides in a in a matter like this, um, so the the problem that Paul Kent's going to have this is regardless of what goes on with the um, outcome of the court case, as we've found with rugby league players, once the allegation has been made, it tends to stick. You, you think very perfect true. example, okay, is Brett Stewart. That whole saga with him and and what happened there, people will remember that. A lot of people don't remember much about his football career anymore, but they'll remember that saga for many, many years to come, even though he was not guilty of any wrongdoing whatsoever. The allegations tend to stick. And um, and that 
that's very unfortunate. Um, I'm not defending Paul Kent here. I don't know what's going on. Um, just that, you know, there was an allegation that he was involved in some domestic um, assault thing. Um, the big problem Paul, Gens- Paul Kent has got is because he's in the media, it, it's hard to be in a situation where, especially when you're an opinion writer, to be taking moral high ground on any sort of issues with players uh, misbehaving. It's hard to take yeah. a moral high ground and have any integrity in that area when yeah. you've done something wrong. I'm not saying he's done anything wrong, but that's going to be the problem he's going to have because some people are going to misconstrue an allegation with fact and they're not going to believe anything he says and they're going to be, hang, you know, they're just going to be marauding him and going after him the whole time over this matter when, let's be honest, there's a lot of things to be going at Paul Kent over. Most of it is all of his opinions and how many shit takes he's had in his career about rugby league. That's all I'd be focused on. Um, but there'll be people who raise this every single time and that's dangerous and not exactly a good idea, especially when nothing's been proven, nothing's been confirmed. Um, and furthermore, as you said, it's hard to go out of your way to just attack a bloke for being, you know, you know, a shit human if he is found to have done anything like this when there is someone who was, you know, you know, has been the victim on the end of this. If if it's if there's proven that something did take place, there's a victim involved. And if there isn't a victim, um, based on any incident that's happened here, Paul Kent kind of is one as well because he's been unfairly targeted for doing something he didn't do. So it's always a very delicate area to get into. Um, if he's if he's found guilty, then that's deplorable because there's no justification for that sort of thing. But, yeah, you can't really dive in there and just start. You can't go making jokes. You can't go labelling him as something. You can't go criticising anything. I just think, I don't know, Fox Sports have handled it in a really weird way. They have, they've yeah. Just, it, they've just sort of gone, let's just delete it all and just forget that he ever existed. I'm like, mm, I, I'm not saying there's a right and a wrong way. I don't know how you deal with it. But to just say that he's not here this week yeah. uh, while he deals with a personal issue and then deleting everything that he's been involved with in the background, you're like, what are you, I, what are you doing? I think the thing that, to piss people off about the way they handled it too was the fact that they they never ever 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 had the same courtesy towards anybody within the game who went through or has been accused of anything similar. Um, well, I mean, I suppose they they would be delicate enough because of legal teams and whatnot to not make any allegations. But that did not stop them talking about it ad nauseum. Uh, that's I think that's the bit that gets it is, you know, why aren't they discussing this matter and comparing it with, say, plays in the past and that sort of hypocrisy? That's, yeah. Well, you can't, you can't be on a TV show that does that a couple of times a week and then when it's one of the hosts of the show, uh, just say, well, we're not going to talk about it. 
We're not even going to mention what the fuck has happened. We're just yeah. going to keep going and delete all our old shows. And and it, so that has put people's nose out of joint. But yeah, it was uh, it was weird to hear about it. And uh, you know, there, there's there's an alleged victim that's at the center of all this. So I, I wasn't a big fan of the kind of uh, celebratory tweets that I saw about it and I, I thought it, some of them were in poor taste but I, I under, at the same time I understood the way that people reacted and so it's interesting the media doesn't like the focus to be on the media ever does it I mean, well they don't want it to be on the media when the media is done wrong mm. or is seemingly done wrong mm. other than that though they love talking about their own kind all the time you know yeah Check out what this person's opinion is of this other person's opinion who works in our journalism team. That sort of stuff. They love that. But this is, yeah, this is a bit different. Again, they well, did the same thing, though, with James Hooper when he was, you know, thinking Commodores or trampolines. Well, the, you know, <laughs> allegedly. You can, you can, I, t- <laughs> I tell you, you can, how many times have you heard all of these people say they're public figures, they get paid plenty of money. They know the deal, and mm. then when it's their turn, it's it's never their turn. Yeah, they, they circle the wagons, and that's what it felt like. the The wagons got circled, but uh, you know, I think for me, uh, this was an opportunity for NRL three sixty to go. You know, let's hit the reset button. Let's try and get some viewers back in by getting some people on whose opinions the viewers probably actually would listen to. We've got rid of the mainstay here. Let's get rid of some more of them and just go, you know what, let's just start over. Um, instead, they brought in just some other loudmouth, loudmouth, low IQ dickhead and Gordon Tallis. <laughs> Lest he played the game, though. So I'd say my, allegedly, my... But, you know, it's more the fact that... I don't know, it's... He's just going to come on and be the same sort of mouthpiece that all these other guys who are in that whole circle do, and that is we've got to come on and say something outlandish so that we become the news. And they're all just trying to make a... They're all just trying to do one of those hot takes that you love. And it's... I know. It's fucking annoying. I, I think the thing that gets me about that show is like, they have journalists on. I don't care what a journalist thinks ever, like That's ever, ever, it's, ever. And it's journalists just yelling at one another. Yeah. I don't, it's don't showing care. how disconnected they are from the game. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to see NRL 360 be revamped where they don't have a single print journal on there. Right. I th- Get a few I'll, extra play- ex-players on there. Get a commentator on there if you want. Um, like rotate the roster with the commentators because obviously they're watching the game and they've watched a lot of games. So they've got valid views. Whether you agree with them or not, it's a different matter. But you can at least say, you know what, at least we know they're watching the game and they're talking about what happened on the field. That's that's what we want to hear. We want to start being, if they talk about this is going to be NRL from every every angle and then they talk about what goes on off the field and then they spend, you know, best part of the first 10 weeks talking about who's going to get picked playing to play origin. How's about focusing on what's going on on the field? How's about 
you know, putting the blowtorch to the right people at the right time instead of just giving some people like Flandies and Annesley a, a free ride instead of criticising them when they deserve it from time to time. That's the thing that's irritating. See, personally, I would like to see Fox Sports continue to press the delete button. Just keep deleting it. Well, yeah, that that's fine too. That just would delete be all of Delete all of NRL 360. Yeah. That would be the best case scenario for me. Um, News today that Anthony Griffin got sacked finally by the Dragons. Speaking of the media, they've been, um, they've almost been pleading for this to happen. So they've got some news to talk about. Um, Yeah. They they do this every year, but uh, yeah, they will. They've been going hard after Griffin all season. Yeah. And he's got uh, like, he's got the worst, team in the NRL to coach. Uh, they're second last on the ladder. They've had a really bad run the last number of weeks. But, yeah, they've been really into him um, rather than the club itself, uh, which has been interesting. And they've always kind of gone at him for some reason. Even when he was in Brisbane, they would go at him. Uh, when he went to, to the Panthers, and, look, he was a very good coach for the Panthers. You look at his record. When he was sacked by Phil Gould, I think we were sitting in fourth place on the ladder, Mm -hmm. which was great. And he won Um, 58% of games at Penrith. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, But, yeah, it was was weird how they just seemed to focus on him for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, And they made a big deal out of Zach Lomax being dropped and and being like, oh, he didn't even tell him why he's dropped. Guess what, Mac? Uh, fucking Zach. It's because you're playing football shit. That's what it is, mate. You're not playing very good football. That's why you were dropped. So, um, but yeah, it you know, like a lot of these coaches that get sacked, you kind of think to yourself, well, that that's a weight off their shoulders now because they're at a poor team and he he's just at a really terrible team. So I think he'll get a assistant coach and role somewhere. It'll be good. Oh, yeah, he, he will. There's no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, he had 38.6 win, per, win percentage rate at the Dragons. Mm-hmm. It's not great, but it's also not absolutely dire. Well, the um, other thing is, too, like think of all of the players that they brought in to help him. Zuali, yeah. Aaron Woods. Uh, who else? <laughs> Woods was a good signing. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anyone else they brought in. <laughs> oh, George Burgess. Oh, that was a good one. Off of a fucking hip replacement. Yeah, that that was a great one, that one. Yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. So, you know, I, I just can't, I can't blame him. I just can't blame him. When you're good, no, it's that bad. There's just a lot of places. The thing is... Um, you know, obviously the Tigers have been through this a bit in recent times as well. Mm-hmm. When the team start performing on the field, the first thing you should be looking at is the roster. Mm-hmm. Who compiled the roster? And then go, right, if the if we think the roster is good enough and we're not getting the results, then, yeah, we go looking at the coach. But if we look at the roster and go, you know, maybe it's not the strongest roster on the field, then don't just go and sack the coach because the next coach coming in, it doesn't matter who they are or how good they are, they're still working with that same roster. 
Yeah. If the roster is not strong enough, then the people who compile that roster are obviously not doing their job right. So they're the people you've got to be looking at first. The problem that the Dragons and the Tigers have had is they've compiled average rosters. And when they've gone in coaches that haven't been able to get exceptional out of average, they've gone, well, the coach is obviously the problem. They've sacked the coach and brought in another coach who's also not been able to get exceptional out of average. So they've sacked that coach and get another coach. And the circle keeps going on and on and on. Yeah. While the same people who keep compiling the average squads stays there and keeps replacing average with average and average. And it just stays average the whole time. The people who need to be moved on are always retained and the people who are not entirely at fault and who would do better if they were getting better support from the roster and the strength of the roster are the ones being cut all the time. It's stupid thinking and it's also backwards because it doesn't lead to an advancement everywhere. And you'll see what will happen is a lot of the times there'll be a brief improvement because, you know, some of the players are going, oh, we've got a coach we like now and, you know, they're all relaxed and they play a little bit better and they're a bit happier in the short term. And then things go back to what they were before because that's just the strength of the roster. That's what it's going to achieve. And then what do they do? So at the moment they've put uh, Ryan Carr in as the interim coach. Um, he's basically been assistant coach in a few places. He did a bit of coaching over in England at Featherston in 2019. That, that's about it. So his, his top grade um, experience is very, very limited, mm-hmm. which is probably not the best thing for the sort of quality of roster that he's got there. Um, so you'd want to hope if they've gone and sacked the coach that they've got a legitimately experienced coach who they've been talking with and are close to signing that they can get in there ASAP otherwise they're going to make things worse for whoever their next coach is. And it's hard to get a new coach in there who will look at that roster and go, it's not great. And if you're willing to get rid of the the coach before fixing up the roster and and the people who put that roster together, not much job security there. There's not much chance for me to get better there. And so you're automatically cutting out all of the coaches that you need. Yeah, and the the other thing is too, you don't want to end up being the person that, cops all the losses and then gets ditched because then they're like, oh, we're ready for a run now. So we're going to get a real coach. Like, you know, and we've seen that happen a few times before. And it's a really interesting question about, like, if you're trying to become a a first-grade NRL coach and there's only 17 of those jobs on planet Earth, at what point is it best for you to, to pass up a role? and wait for a better one to come along because a better one might not come along. Like, yeah. do you, you know, it's, and that is a really, really difficult question because this coaching role at the Dragons is a really bad one. Like, you know, and it's because of the football club doesn't recruit anyone for whatever reason. So, you know, They've talked about, there's been a lot of talk about Jason Rolls being the one, but, you know, does he go for that? Does he wait for Bellamy? Bellamy said he's going to stay on another year at the Storm. I wouldn't be shocked if Craig Bellamy's still coaching the Storm in five years' time. You all may have talked about this. He seems like the sort of person that would probably get up on a morning and look at this current Storm team, and that's what excites him. 
more so than a team that's just running through everyone nonstop, yeah. which is what he normally turns teams like the one he's got into. Um, so, yeah, do you take the role? I I think it's a terrible role to take on. Um, but Especially for 17 a, for of these jobs on planet Earth. I know it's just it's a real bad role for a rookie coach. Yeah, you definitely need an experienced coach in there. It doesn't have to be a coach with vast amounts of um, success. Just someone experienced who can get your point in the right direction. Like, um, you know, I'm not saying that this is who they should go after, but someone like Neil Henry and people like that, um, who, you know, obviously not Neil Henry, but you know. Um, Anthony Griffin would be good. They would. <laughs> yeah, people have been around for a while and they've been to a few clubs and they've seen yeah. what's, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the sort of thing that you want. You need some of those guys, those those seasoned veteran coaches. Um, that's, that's the sort of thing that a club like the Dragons needs. And it's been so long since they had one. I mean, they only really had... Um, Wayne Bennett, to be honest. Yeah, Wayne Bennett, and uh, like I guess before him, the next one's bloody David White. Yeah, like you know, I know they've had they had Nathan Brown in there, but yeah, it's you know not very many experienced coaches, and well, look, yeah, you could probably give Nathan Brown the rest of the year purely to clean out the roster, and then just get another coach in for the for next year. But that's there's. I wouldn't even be doing that, to be honest. I think they've got to stop getting players who were, oh, sorry, coaches who were former players of the club. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's a huge problem. Yeah. Um, I think that that's terrible whenever a club does it. Yeah. The problem is the only like genuinely experienced coach who could do something with that club, sadly, is a former Dragons player, and that is um, um, Mick Potter. Yeah, like I, I saw somebody toss his name up. I mean, he, I wonder if he would take the role on. I, I don't think he would. I think he likes being assistant coach, mm. um, and that's fine. Some people realise that that's where their strength is, and so um, that would be good for him. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Des Hazel's the right person for that gig. No, like it's it's. I think the problem with it is that it's such a bad situation there at the Dragons at the moment that it doesn't really matter who you get in there. Like, what are they going to do with a club that can't attract talent? You know. Yeah. Because the, you know that it's just a talent thing. It always gets me in, even in State of Origin when people will be like, oh, this team won it because of blood and guts and history. And it's like, no, nah, they, they generally win because they're a more talented team. Um, and that's the same thing in the NRL. Generally, the more talented teams win games and the ones that don't have as much talent lose games. And that's where the Dragons find themselves right now. Their, their lineup is not very talented. The only play that they've got there that you look at and you see real quality in is is uh, Ben Hunt, and apparently he's really pissed off with this move. So, you know, if they lost him, they've they've got 
pretty much nothing left. I mean, the next best player might be McNuggets. So, uh, you know. and then after that, it's like Ravalawa. <laughs> but there's two two um, NRL coaches out there mm-hmm. who would be available, who have got mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. premiership winning experience. Um, who they could probably look at. One is a sensible option, but I don't think you'd be interested now, and that is Michael Maguire. Yeah. Um, I think he wants to step away from being a head coach for a little bit, especially of teams that are in the shit. Yep. And the other one is someone who shouldn't be coaching, but will get pushed to the moon and back, and that is Shane Flanagan. Yeah, yeah. And the thing working in Flanagan's favour is uh, I think he used to play for the Dragons. Yes, he did. He played his first season for them. Oh, really? So uh, he ticks he ticks the box as far as they're concerned. I tell you what, there hasn't been too much news about him becoming their next coach, That which is interesting to me. Yeah, that means it's probably happening. Because <laughs> 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 Maguire never played for the Dragons. So he's too much of an outsider. Flano, though, three games in 87, mate. He ticks the box. I tend to think it'll be Jason Riles, hey? (sighs) Yeah. It shouldn't be. And this has got nothing to do with Jason Riles. I think (laughs) Jason Riles needs to go. He can can coach the Dragons once someone has gone in there and fixed up that roster. Once they've got a competitive roster, it doesn't have to be a roster that's going to be a premiership contending one. Just competitive with the top eight top eight sides. That's when he can go in there and go, you know what? Let me have a crack at it. Because at least he's not on a hiding to nothing. But yeah. going into this squad now, it'll, it'll kill his career before it began. And I think well, he deserves better than that. Yeah, well, you're not doing anything this year. And there's still a long way left to go this year. Yeah. And then next year, you're not doing much next year. So... You know, how many years out from success are they? Yeah. And, you know, that you don't get very long to prove yourself. That's right. Um, and it probably would not hurt him to see how another experienced coach works. Yeah. Because if, if the most of his recent experience is under a coach that just sat, you probably need to be seeing how someone else does it. We'll find out what happens, eh? Yeah. Um, at this stage... The Dragons are going to be giving the Tigers a bit of a run for their money for that spoon. 100%. The comedy uh, selection would be Nathan Brown. It, it, it kind of needs to happen, doesn't it? it just make it so entertaining. <laughs> uh, they are the third worst defensive team in the comp. Mm-hmm. They're even worse defensively than the Tigers by a bit. Oh, really? Yeah, the Tigers are conceding three points per game less. Far out. Um, Tigers' attack is the worst in the comp, though. Um, but, yeah, defensively, they're, they're not too shabby. So the the Dragons, though, they're bad. Yeah. Well, you just you can't go for so long without recruiting anyone and, then, and think you're going to go well. And, look, if Ben Hunt goes in and says... I want out, they're in real trouble because they've got no one else. 
you know, and I wouldn't be shocked if he did that. Well, hang on, they recruited Jacob Little this year. But that's it, like, that's... And Zane Musgrove, they've got two West Tigers players. They got uh, Mbai as well. He's another one of the their big recruits. Uh, he, he was the year before. Yeah, but that's what I like under Griffin is what I'm saying. Like, that, yeah. these are the sorts of players that they recruited to the club under Griffin. Now, you can say Griffin is responsible for that to a certain extent, and he is, but it's not all on him. And it's a problem that was happening at the Dragons before he got there as well. Yeah. Oh, the losses in at the end of 2021 were pretty pretty big. Yeah. Um, especially to the forward pack, you know. So it's mind you, some of that needed to happen, but uh, that's what's hurt them the most. They've lost so much in the up, up front in the forwards and not replaced it with similar talent. Um, some of them probably will be good in the future. They're younger players, but at the moment they're not getting the training that they need. Or the coaching that they need. Yeah, and that, the weird thing here too is that, like, Ben Hunt is obviously a, a pretty good leader. But then you've got someone like Lomax in the club who pouts and struts around like he's king shit. It's a real bad environment for a young player to be in. Like, it, it, it teaches you bad habits, you know? The thing that gets me with Lomax, man, is he has the skill set, but his attitude is just fucking atrocious. I mean, you just need someone to go in there and just kick him in the ass and say, look, can you stop being a fucking idiot and just focus on playing football to the best of your ability, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Because his ability to to set up his winger, to get outside his man, um, they seem like obvious things, but his ability to do that within a few steps is unbelievable. But he's been playing so sideways and doing, you know, playing so stupid in the last few years. It's almost like he's trying to, trying to forget how to be that good player he used to be. Mm. Um, I, I don't get it. I don't know if it's something that's being coached that way or what's going on. But he's, he's nowhere near playing at the at the level that we know he's capable of. Um, and the attitude that's gone with it is not helping. Um, no. So. And it's not helping him either because, you know, if you end up then play, and we've seen plenty of those players that, you know, they're the superstar and the worst team in the competition. <laughs> what does that, what does that mean? You know, absolutely. Um, what else has been going on in the world of rugby league? Oh, one thing we haven't mentioned that's been in the pipeline for a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. We're going to Las Vegas, baby. Oh, man. <laughs> when I saw this story come up, I was like, it's like the NRL drinking game or something. Like, any time they're going to take a round overseas, take a drink, it never happens. It won't happen. Mate, mate, this time it's different. So it's different. Because after we go to Las Vegas, we might go to Tokyo. Oh. Play, take a few games to Tokyo. Oh, of course. Haven't done that one before. Oh, hang on. <laughs> It's it's so silly, like, I, and the thing that gets me is, like, the whole point that has been pushed in the media is that because sports gambling has been made legal in the US, that there's going to be this big revenue stream that the NRL can tap into overseas in the US, and so that they're going to open doors and all this stuff, and it's like, well, you know, people in the US could 
better in rugby league now. Yeah, and it's not. I think you could still you could bet on the outcomes of games, but it was online betting was not going on there. So you could go to a casino and put bets on sports stuff there, but that was the only place you could do it for a lot of these places. Um, you also couldn't do, um, you know, betting on things other than the result, like first try score or stuff like that. I don't think that was available either. What are they? Mm. Exotics. You couldn't do exotics betting. It was only result. Mm. Um, so I think that's a lot of that's opened up a bit more. It's, it's a little less regulated than it was previously. That's that's my understanding of of the gambling laws over there. And it's not every state either. It's it's most of them, some of them, something like that. It's never unified. You know, I can't see any downside of taking all of the NRL players in <clears> March. <throat> And sending them all to Las Vegas. What could, what could go wrong? I'm sure it'd be fine. It'd be fine. I mean, nothing's ever happened, you know, to Australian rugby league players in America before that's negative. No, no. So it'd be fine. Just make a rule. Anyone who's been to America and been a dickhead, you're not allowed to go. So we could go over there for a press conference. The, I guess they're going to play at the NFL stadium. Um, I can't think of another indoor uh, because it would have to be indoor because of the temperature over there in, in Vegas. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I just think it's not going to happen. I've You see enough of them that don't pan out that you just don't even bother thinking about it too much because they never happen. Yeah, I don't know what they think they're going to achieve over there. Mm. I think they're going to get like 150,000 people to watch eight games. Well, how are they going to get uh, – like who who is going to be the audience there? The, the gamblers, guess what? <laughs> they, they got somewhere to gamble in Las Vegas, hey? Yeah, and, and watch a lot of sports in various state-of-the-art facilities. Yeah, and people that are on holiday – Guess what? They've got somewhere to go already. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just don't I don't understand what it's all about. I really don't. Uh, I wonder how much of it's to do with Peter Vlandish trying to set up networks for his horse racing gig. Well, when I saw that he'd actually travelled over there, I thought, oh, yeah, junk it. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's... It doesn't make sense to have anything to do with rugby league over there. You're not going to have a football team there. No, no. There's not going to be any rugby league there. There's going to be no follow-up. No, there'll be nothing. So no, it's just pouring money down a hole. Yeah. Sounds um, like something international rugby league would do. Yeah, we should discuss that on an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was interested in a lot of the fallout from the Panthers beating the Roosters and the way that uh, there was just a lot of despair amongst Roosters fans after that loss. And I, I didn't really understand why, because I feel as though the Roosters are exactly what I expected them to be this year. Um, the only thing I'd probably say about them is I thought that their attack would be better than what it is. Yeah. Um, I was kind of expecting 
some inconsistency results wise. I wouldn't have had them as low as they are on the ladder. Um, but not too much higher. I probably would have still had them in the eight. Yeah. Um but yeah, the the attack has been very, very let's go with atrocious the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um and that's always been a bit of an odd one because you know, in attack, they've usually been pretty solid. Like scoring points has never been too much of an issue for them, but they've only scored ten points in their last two games. Um, and then they, prior to that, they beat the Warriors fourteen nil. Um, they beat the Dragons by one point. It's not reading too well. Scored twelve points against the Sharks in a loss. They lost twenty eight to eight against Melbourne. Um, outside the first, their first um, four games, they've been. Mm-hmm. Mediocre. I mean, let's be honest. In their last six games, they've had as many wins as the West Tigers have had. Yeah, but look, but look I I just think they're a mediocre team, and and I think that they <clears throat> will probably sneak into the eight. But I I just think this is who they were. I I've been a bit surprised that Brandon Smith hasn't been a little bit better. Um, he's, he's not been, been used properly at all. I just. I don't understand why they're messing him about. I don't think they understand that he is a legitimately good attacking ball running hooker. Mm. So they've just got him passing off the deck. I mean, if that's the case, why spend all that money on him? Why don't you just put Drew Hutchison there and just get him to pass off the deck? Yeah, yeah. You've already got him there. Spend that money on someone else. It just seems stupid. Um, or put him at lock. He can handle it. Mm-hmm. at least do something there because the biggest problem they've also got this year is Victor Radley has fallen off a cliff as far as form goes and I know you, you've not really had huge wraps on him but his form this year has been fucking dire yeah it's been it's been worse than it was the last couple and of years I guess he's done nothing but um, give away penalties get sin binned he's done nothing but drag his team down and made it so much harder for them than it should be yeah, and, and I produced think, nothing, nothing in attack. And the other thing is, on top of that, and you and me were talking about this before anyone else. Tedesco has lost a step, and that's yep. fine. It's just what happens. He's still, he's, he's still very good. Still very good, but I, it was. It's been interesting to see other people are now starting to pick up on that. Um. And on top of all of that, their halves, which is something that you and me talked about at the start of the year. This is just going to be a We Told You So episode. Um, we are we, experts. Yeah, we, well, you know, just look at our bios. Um, <laughs> the Yeah, like their halves, I just didn't have any faith that their halves would be able to carry them through the season. And it really feels like that that is coming home to roost, so to speak. The thing that gets me, Kate, Kiri is obviously a competent halfback. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And yet all they do this season has been moving him between halfback and 5'8". Mm. The times he's been at halfback, which has been the last four weeks, the the first two games, the, the Roosters won those two games and they looked a lot better. Like, they scored 41 points in two games, which was something they hadn't done the two weeks prior when he was playing at 5'8". Um, they started looking good. And then they changed his halves partner, which mm. – and this week coming up, he's now been moved back to 5'8". Mm-hmm. You're going, 
leave him in the halfback. He at least knows how to run the team and control the team. Um, but they went and moved Manu to 5'8", and then he got injured. Mm-hmm. That was stupid. Yeah, that didn't understand that at all. Uh, the, a lot of these moves just seem like... Uh, they seem like moves from a coach that doesn't know what to do. It's and, guesswork. Yeah, yeah. And I don't expect this from Robinson. And if you're going to do a weird fucking move and and create a makeshift 5'8", move Tedesco there and put Manu at fullback. At least you're not weakening the fullback position. Mm-hmm. You're strengthening that one. And Tedesco's going to be no worse than, than Joey Manu at 5'8". So you're actually making your team a little bit better that way. And to be honest, you're probably hiding the the slowness of speed that Tedesco's had this year off the mark, but you're not reducing his ability with the ball in hand or his ball running skill. Yeah. Um, I, and he's got a bigger body. He can handle that than what, you know, someone like Caelan Ponga is trying to do. He can at least handle that contact and that, that, that collision. Mm-hmm. So he'd be fine there. But, and I put money there it just seemed like it was a bit of a guess. Yeah, and like these are issues that the Roosters should have known like over the off season. You know, that you go into a season with two small halves and they're both kind of halfbacks. You've got one of them that's still learning to be a first grade halfback. And and what Walker has gone through by being dropped to reserve grade, I believe now he's injured for about six weeks or something. So that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. But um, that that process of you get your taste of first grade, you feel like you've established yourself in first grade, but then you go on poor, poor form and you get dropped back to reserve grade. That basically happens to almost every single halfback that's not like Andrew Johns, you know, yes. or, or Ricky Stewart. So... Like and then you hear all of the talk out of his camp immediately that maybe he needs to change clubs, which was alarming. But they, these are all things that the Roosters should have known were going to happen coming into the year, and that's why it's alarming to me to see the the almost scrambling to, to without a clue of what to do as a plan. Like this should have all been planned by Robinson. I'm not saying injuries can be planned for. But he knew his squad going into the season, and he should it shouldn't have got to the halfway point or close to the halfway point of the season, and he's already shuffling the deck chairs. That's the thing that worries me. Well, this week they're going to have Drew Hutchison at halfback. Man, I mean, um, it's crazy. I mean, the last time he played at halfback was round 15 last year, mm-hmm. and the Roosters lost to Parramatta. Mm-hmm. Prior to that was in the semis in round in 2021, mm-hmm. and the Roosters lost that. The last time he was at halfback in an NRL game and the Roosters won was round 24, 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Even Luke Brooks is better at halfback than Drew Hutchison. <laughs> um is he though? <laughs> and this, well, look, the crazy thing is, why would you get a guy who's he's only played five games at halfback in his NRL career? Why would you put him at seven when you've got Kiri in the halves? I, I don't know. 
it's again, it's just guesswork. Like, why are you doing? I'd, yeah. If you're going to muck around with one of the spots in the halves, make it five eighth. It's a little yeah. bit more of a, a malleable position, though. One halfback, you need someone who can control the team and can run the kicking and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Kiri can do all of that. We know he can. Leave him there. Every time you move Kiri around backwards and forwards, you're changing his role and you're changing what he does. And you sometimes you're changing what side of the field he's on. And so, what chance are you going to? What chance has he got of playing consistently good football if he's constantly got to change what he's doing and changing what side of the field he's on and changing what role he's got and changing who his house partner is? He's on a hiding to nothing. The other thing is too, he's like it. It hasn't allowed Brandon Smith to <clears throat> have any sort of consistent halfback that he can work with and, and get a combination going exactly with too, right. and that's hurt him. The only consistent spine member he's had has been the fullback, who he's not going to get to do a great deal of work with. Mm-hmm. And that's stupid. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's basically... Brandon Smith is doing what any other hooker's going to do in that situation. He's just going to try and get the forwards going forward. Mm-hmm. What more can you do? And yet here he is getting criticised and going, he's the wrong person to be looking at here. Yeah, and, and look, the, the poor form that has come out of all of this, it's basically travelled through the whole team. And it it's really the first time we've seen Robinson not have a, a really good side or, or a very good side where, you know, you just got to tinker with it a little bit. You don't have to do too much. They're, they're pretty set. You just got to tinker a little bit. This is the first time he's really had to do some some real coaching stuff to this team. And, it's not looking good, you know. It it's, you know, it might just be a temporary thing, but I don't know. I feel like all of these problems that the Roosters are having, you could see coming from a mile away. Yeah, I guess the last um, the last two or three years, the losses have started to get very slowly. Just you know, that one or two loss more than the year before. Mm. But last year they had 10 losses for the first time in um, Robinson's time at the club since they finished, I think, last in 2016. Mm. Um, in 2014, they had 17 wins and 10 losses. So it's it doesn't happen often, but that was, that was the moment. You go, okay, things are starting to turn a little bit. Um, and this year they've just... They, they have that one game and you go, ah, here we go. They finally clicked. And then the next week, falls apart again. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's been. It's like, oh, we're there. Oh, no, it's gone again. Uh, it's just full of these false starts and they never quite get going. Um, they need to sort their shit pretty soon because otherwise they're going to miss the finals for the first time in years. And mm. the difference this time is they don't have a bunch of young people who are in the squad to strengthen them and get them better. Most of their squad is getting on a bit. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Like, and Tedesco still still pick him as New South Wales halfback. I still pick him as the Australian halfback, but fullback. Uh, yes, sorry, fullback. But at some point, and they do it to every single player. They say, "You're you're our boy. We love you. You're our boy." And then they say, "Hey, fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> they do it to everyone. Yeah, and they're going to do it to him eventually. And when does that to. happen? The thing is, he's still remarkably good at yeah. um, 
defensive positioning, especially for kicks. Mm-hmm. Still, still very good as a link player in the in the attacking line. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's still going to be there. He's still still definitely good enough for Origin. I've I've got no concerns about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but how much longer? One year. Yeah. If this year's not his last year at Origin, I dare say it'll be next year. I don't think you're going to get much more than that out of him. I wouldn't be shocked if he retired from Origin at the end of the year. That, um, wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, and, and not that I, I just think he, like he's done so much already, you know, and it, it, it having gone through the World Cup and he looks like one of the players that the World Cup um, has probably affected more than the most players. And it's understandable, you know, being a, a fullback and, and the ground you cover and all that, the heavy conditions over there and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he re- retired after the, retired from Origin after this series. But, yeah, he's going to get the tap on the shoulder. He needs to be ready for it. Yeah. And, look, he's had, after his initial three seasons at the Tigers where he was plagued by injury, mm. he hasn't missed that many games. Mm-mm. He's only had no. two seasons where he played less than 21 games in a season. And on those occasions, it was 17 and 19 games. So it wasn't like it was a lot under either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you, you know, what you say is true. And he does retire from international, uh, sorry, from rap footy purely to um, give his body the best chance to, you know, get him to say 34, 35 years old, get another three or four years out of him. Yeah, I don't know when his current contract runs out. Um, but you, he would probably be thinking if he wants to extend his career that long, he would be hoping that he has another sizable contract in him. Yeah, just that one more, one more final one. I think that's all he'd be looking for. Let's have a look at the Roosters' rosters. See who they've got with their contracts here. Uh, Imagine if he if they tapped him on the shoulder in a couple of years from now, he's going to go to the West Tigers, return home, but then ends up at the Canberra Raiders. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, he's at the Roosters till twenty twenty five. Okay. Um, they've got so these are the players that they're losing or are off contract at the end of the year. Hmm. Billy Smith, Connor Watson, Corey Allen, Daniel Tupo, Drew Hutchison, Fletcher Baker, Jake Turpin. Uh, Berea Hargraves. Jackson Paulo has an option in his favour for next year, as does Joseph Suwali. Um, Matt Lodge, Nathan Brown. That's it. They're the guys they could be losing at the end of the year. Uh, See, Victor, Victor Radley, they've got him till 2027. That's rough. That's a rough one. Yeah. Kiri's um, next year. I think that'll be it for Kiri. Yeah. Um. Worry Hargraves has played great this year. I know he keeps on getting yeah. in trouble, but he's been fantastic for him this year. He's going to be a big loss for them. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's one of those blokes who is... Um, you kind of keep waiting for his form to dip. Mm. You're going, he's getting a bit older now. It's going to start to drop off. And he just keeps maintaining that same consistent level. Um, if anything, his consistency's got better. And... Um, yeah, his performances this year have been very, very strong. Yeah, he, he might be their best player this year. Um, 
because everyone else has been so inconsistent or a little bit off, you know. But, yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. I, the only player I can think of they've recruited is uh, Spencer Lenu. Is there any other big-name signings they've made? Uh, for the Roosters. Next, for next year? Yeah. Uh, Dom Young. Dom Young, I say he's a winger. He's... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always funny that every time he gets near the ball now, it's like, oh, he's going to the Roosters next year. It's like, yeah, whatever. I don't even think um, Spencer's been signed off on yet. I See, it was my understanding. Oh, no, oh, no that, it has. Yeah, that he had, yeah. Because when they signed him, because they've got a lot of back rowers and forwards and stuff like that at the centres, at their roosters, sorry. And I know that uh, some of them are moving on, but I don't know, it seemed like a bit of a strange signing to me. Like yeah. Spencer Lenu to me is a, he's a depth player, but he's also the sort of play, like I could see where the Dolphins went after Spencer Lenu to add a little bit of a finishing touch to their pack. Yeah. But I thought that the the Roosters needed a little bit more than that. Um, and so that's why it surprised me a little bit. Well, one player who's off contract at the end of the year they could go after, mm-hmm. Jack DeBellin. I wonder if anyone offers DeBellin a contract. He's got, a, he's got an option in his favour for 2024 at the Dragons. Okay. He'll take that up. I reckon he will. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, he's, he's the free man after that. Did you see uh, Jack Bird when he had that press conference where he basically yeah. said fans don't know anything? That's right, yeah. That that was wonderful, wasn't it? That, that's a that's always a good a good move. Yeah, yeah. When you tell the people that turn up to watch a play footy and basically play, Pay your wages that, yeah. you know, bunch of idiots. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, just shut up and clap. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking morons. It, like, the other thing that got me was he was struggling to talk. Yeah, well, you know, we may not, we us, us fans may not know anything about what goes on on the football field, but we can talk. Yeah. Yeah, there's all, we always have that going for us. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, it just reminded me of that. But, yeah, the, the Roosters, it's going to be interesting to see if they it, – it's going to be interesting to see if they decide to do a massive clean-out at the end of the year or if they decide steady as she goes. Because I think if they go steady as she goes, um, it, it's they're going to drop right down the ladder for the next couple of seasons. They'll need a full rebuild. They'll need, like, the sort of rebuild where you get Nathan Brown in to just get rid of everyone but not sign anyone. A mid-season clean-out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's probably not far away. I think they'll do a clean-out. <laughs> they do. Um, yeah, over into England. Yes. IMG have been busy. Mm-hmm. Um, they've come up with a decision here. This has been in consultants with all of the teams from all of the divisions. Mm-hmm. And their idea was they're going to scrap automatic promotion relegation, but they're not scrapping the system entirely. What they're going to do is they're going to bring in a um, a system 
where you've got to get, you know, you've got 20 points, I think, in certain areas of of club management. Mm-hmm. And the teams that have got the highest score will be the teams that we're playing in Super League. So it doesn't matter if you're the best team in championship. If your ground is not up to standard or if your supporter base is too small, then the team below you on the ladder might get promoted to Super League ahead of you. So they're bringing in basic minimum standards. Yeah, yeah, standards and settings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says the clubs and community bodies voted 88% in favour, which is crazy. That's that's most of the teams in favour of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in favour of making participation in the game's top flight dependent on a range of factors, including attendance, catchment area, facilities, on-field performance, only accounts for a quarter of the points that you get to determine whether you go up or not. I think that's fair because if if you look at the NRL over time, like if you take a segment of the since 1998, if you went by on-field performance, like right now you'd say, oh, the Panthers are great. You go to other times, you say, oh, this Panthers club shouldn't be in the comp if you yeah. go just on performance, you know. That's right. So it says here that at the end of the 2024 season, the club finishing at the bottom of Super League could well retain their place in there if they score higher in the 20-point system than any of the top eight rivals in the championship. Um, so it doesn't mean that promotion relegation is being scrapped entirely. It just means that the automatic promotion relegation based on your performances only has been scrapped which I think is a far more sensible system and one that we'd spoken about before. Yeah, yeah. So if, basically, you, if you've got your club to a point where they are strong off the field and they've they've worked their way up and they've improved their facilities, they've improved their sponsorship and everything like that, and they are now better than a team in, in Super League because of that, yes, bring them up because that's going to make Super League stronger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess the thing I would like to see is there be a component for... Uh, junior development in there as well. Um, I don't believe there is. Uh, I think it came under catchment area. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's. I mean, it's. Uh, you. You are right. It's not. It's not focused on juniors. Yeah. But it is kind of sort of just tacked in there. Yeah. Because that um, that to me is a massively important part as well that should be yes. taken into account. Yes. Um, so it says here, clubs will be given dummy gradings at the end of the current season, theoretically enabling to build towards improving their score before it is finalised midway through next year. Clubs granted grade A status, expected initially to be a small handful, are guaranteed a place in Super League and will be automatically immune from regu- uh, relegation. So they'll be your teams like Wigan, Leeds, I dare say St Helens. Um, there's not going to be too many there. Maybe... Maybe Catalan as well, I guess. Um, the remainder of the top five will be made up by grade B clubs in scoring order. Um, clubs face the prospect of being re-evaluated on an annual basis, meaning they could lose the immunity of top-level status or conversely be immediately elevated to the top division. So you're being promoted on um, many different areas, which is a much better reason. Yeah. Yeah, and it... it... Look, if it, if it brings some consistency 
the thing that it's trying to drive is for clubs to build up their sponsorship bases, look at their catchment areas, uh, improve their facilities, and you know, not it not just be what you do on the footy field because you can jag a good year and and all of a sudden find yourself in Super League and just be totally out of your depth. Yeah. Now, um, Keithley are one of the clubs that were very, very opposed to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a quote here from their co-owner. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Mr. Garcia. Let's go with that. Yeah. He said, anyone voting for these measures will be an accomplice to this tragedy and the sport will one day remember your names. IMG is masquerading on the false promise that this will elevate the standard of the sport, but it is a lie. There is no money on offer to elevate the standards. It is simply a way to allow the elites to sail away and leave the rest of the sport adrift. If this proposal goes ahead, it will be the death of Championship, League One and other Heartland clubs. Simple and straightforward. Your thoughts? I see both sides of it, hey? I know people were really on his case when he said that, but, you know, where he, he says in there that, like, there's no money to improve ourselves, basically. He's right. Yeah, well, I, was, I think he's getting at the fact that IMG aren't going to be giving the clubs any money. And I don't think IMG are actually brought in to, to help in that area. No, like, no, no. As far as funding goes, it's their job to try and help improve the way the game's run so that it can generate more income. Mm. And having a more stable competition at the top level is going to be more appealing to networks. 100%. I, I guess the thing is, though, that if you're a... If you're a championship club, for instance, say you're a mid-tier championship club and they say, well, if you improve your facilities and all these, you know, down the list, you can maybe one day get Super League. If if you, there's no money to do that, then it might as well be for, forever. You know, it might as well just be an impossible dream. Now, we've been in times where Super League has been a close shop and, you know, Championship didn't die. All these clubs didn't die. So that's not going to happen. But, um, you know, I do see the point of view that if there's no money flowing down through the game, how are they supposed to improve? Yes. I think the, the difference here is in when they had licensing in 2009, I think it was a three-year cycle. So it was 2009 and 2012. Um, it just meant that the, the teams that were in place in 2009, they were locked in place for those next three years. Mm. And then they did promotion relegation for 2012, and then they were locked in place for another three years. That was the the system they had in there. This is not too different. The difference here, though, is that every year, every club will be evaluated. And if one team has proven that they deserve to come up, you know, straight away, then they will look to make sure that that happens, especially if there's yeah. another team that deserves to go down because they're not performing properly. So p- promotion relegation still exists, but it's not going to be a consistently followed and systematic formula like they currently use. It's going to be over a broad range of of reasons. Yeah, and You've I guess... You've got to be strong in every aspect of the club. Yeah, and I, I guess a system like this is great if you're looking at it as being a long-term thing the problem is every single long-term idea that has been put forward for super league has been extremely short-lived yes 
And that's where I'm a bit skeptical of it because I, the idea is great, but how long is it going to be around for? Yeah. And that's the thing. I think, I think IMG have been doing some pretty good work here. I mean, they were never going to come in and make a whole heap of bold changes and, and all that sort of stuff. Cause I knew that that would never get through. Mm. So they're making changes that are kind of leading in the direction to proper structural change, but they're taking the middle step to get there. So they've got everyone on board for this bit. It then opens the door for them to be a little bit more strict about, you know, which teams are in Super League. Mm -hmm. And then from here, they can go into conversation about maybe relocating teams or changing their names. So, you know, Salford becomes Manchester, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, we start moving teams that are really, really close to one another, move them a little bit further apart, maybe move teams into, you know, major areas like Birmingham where there should be a team, try and get them into these major markets. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. So I'm not saying that's on the board, but I'm just saying that, that this is a step in the direction to, to making that happen. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you want to make sure you've got more than just two or three teams that have got a, a grading of A. You want yeah, well, to teams to be the, close to having an A grading. Yeah, exactly. And I guess, you know, you want everyone to grow. You want everyone to get better. You want everyone's facilities to improve. Um, it, the, the problem is, like, they can all sign off on it, but if in three years' time this system's out the window, it hasn't, achieved anything and that's the thing that worries me about it that's but right i hope that it sticks around for many many years well i suppose that's a good thing that omg is involved in the game for a pretty long period of time aren't they yeah well i think it was a was it 12 years that they signed up for yeah yeah so it's going to be hard for the clubs to roll this stuff back yeah but it just means that now that they've got this done the plan they've got in place for what happens after this they have to be working on that now so that when they've got the clubs across the board on this and they've been able to prove that this is working and it's functioning, boom, we hit them with the next step. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what that next step is. And I wonder if they've got the capacity within this system to set up expansion clubs um, because, you know, if I'd signed up to this system and then, the league said, well, we're going to set up an expansion club in Birmingham that's going to be in the championship. And all of a sudden that team is like got just by its pure existence because of its catchment area. And they've secured the use of a half decent facility to play games at that. That team automatically moves ahead of a more established club. I, I would be not too happy about that if I was a championship team. Yeah. But you would, and look, I, so that that's why I wonder, have they got the capacity to do that or did they sign off and saying we won't do that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it would be, yeah, I don't think they'd be doing something where they get a League One team would jump into Super League, mm. no matter how strong they were. Mm. They'd, they'd want these teams to, to prove themselves over a few years um, because, you know, anyone can fluke out and get a um a, a new owner to come in with a fuck ton of money mm-hmm. 
and they have one really strong season out of nowhere. Yeah. But that shouldn't be the basis alone for them to go and jump on an entire division. Yeah, 100%. So I, yeah, I dare say they'll have fail-safes in place for things like that. So it'll be something along the lines of, okay, you need to prove that you deserve to be up there for you know two or three years. You've come from a long way back. Mm. Let's see how you perform on a regular level against stronger opposition. We'll put you in championships. There you go there. You know, it'd be something like that. Because I know they did a similar thing with um, with Toronto when they're coming up through the grades. They kept yeah. in the championship for a few seasons. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so I dare say something like that will still stay in place because that's the sensible thing to do as well. I wonder if by putting this system in place, if they, you know, looked into whether that would bring in new investors into clubs um, because there is that you can there's a set goal you know it, it's not so arbitrary it's not based on you know having to come in and win the league it, it's based on so many other things so you can upgrade your facilities and and there's all of those incentives in place but um i think I, you're right because that's the thing is now you don't need to be the absolute best team in your division mm, mm. To, you know, in order to get promoted. And so it does open up the opportunity for clubs to just go, you know what, let's just get our membership good, get our support base good, get our sponsorship up. If we're just half decent on the field, we're going to get a higher rating. And as soon as we get the higher rating, we can start getting better and better and better. It won't take long for the on-field results to follow behind everything else. And maybe that would be the end goal is to, instead of getting teams doing it in a backwards way, and that is, smashing a whole heap of wages for two or three years on players only and getting the good results and trying to get promoted that way. How's about we improve the business and let the results follow behind that because that is a stronger way to run a club. One more sensible way. Yeah, so maybe that's what the end goal is, is try and get them to work um, that more sensible function. And I guess the other thing you might end up seeing too is if you might see teams move like, home games to a better facility whether you know and you, you know what england's like there's about 100 million different stadiums over there you can use um it's like the the most the thing that you most like to run into in england is either a pub a fish and chip shop or a stadium so <laughs> they, they've got plenty of options um and you might see teams that have been a, a traditional home ground for decades move to a new facility, and uh, it, that gets them up that ladder. You know, that gives them more points. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially if it helps, you know, if it helps them get bigger crowds and it brings more money in, brings in mm. more sponsors, absolutely they'll be doing it, which is exactly what they should all be doing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how committed they all are to it and what happens the – you know, the first time someone gets rejected on something that is maybe a little bit arbitrary like uh, catchment area, which at the end of the day is, I mean, I don't know how, if they do their boundaries as as we do over here, particularly in, in Sydney, how we used to do them. But, uh, you know, things like that could be a little bit arbitrary and, and that would concern me if I was a club. Absolutely. Um but yeah, I think it is similar. So that's why you end up with problems with you know, when you've got three or four teams in a very small area. One of them is going to be the weakest of the lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting if that weakest team turns out to be the strongest on the field. 
Like you know, weakest is in you know catchment size. Mm. Um, so a lot of those things are going to be interesting to see how they work out. Um, so yeah, I think promotion relegation will continue for this year, but it stops next year for this new system. It's it's going to be interesting. I hope it works out for them. They needed something to to change the just general way that rugby league clubs were running themselves over there, where it, it really was just about results. Well, the interesting thing so far this year is after twelve rounds, the bottom five teams, uh, bottom six teams are starting at seventh: St Helens, mm-hmm. Leeds, Hull FC. Huddersfield, Castleford, and Wakefield. <laughs> so I'd, it, it, Wakefield haven't won a game yet. Yeah, Wakefield, Wakefield and, have shat the bed at the worst possible time. Yeah, and Castleford have two wins from 12 games. Huddersfield have four from 11. Hull have five from 12. And Leeds and St. Helens have got six wins each. See, there's some teams there that you look at and you're like, well, their their stadium will carry them. You know, like Hull Stadium will carry them. Yeah, but then I look at Wakefield and it's like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Wakefield are gonna get relegated. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. They have been destroyed at the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, what's second division? Featherstone are undefeated in second division. The, the top top six teams in, in championship, Featherstone mm-hmm. undefeated, Sheffield eight wins, Toulouse, Halifax and Batley all have seven wins and Witness and Bradford have six wins each. Oh, man, there's a, there's a few te- – like I would guess that in order they would like – my guess is they would want Bradford because, just because it's an English team, it's a city, you know, th- there's a lot of boxes that ticks. Then um, – Probably uh, Toulouse and then maybe Sheffield after them. Yeah, there's some there's some good like genuine markets in the bottom half of that ladder. Bradford, yeah. York, London, Barrow, oh not Barrow, Newcastle. Um, yeah, there's some big areas there. Imagine being able to get a team in in say like based solidly in Newcastle, London, York, Bradford. Well, I saw it. That, yeah. uh, and, you know, on top of all of this is English Club Rugby Union is absolutely collapsing on itself. And I saw a a suggestion where, um, and I can't remember the, the team that it was, maybe it was the Leeds Rugby Union team, and somebody was saying over there that they should maybe merge with the Newcastle Rugby Union team. Like, that's where they're at right now with their rugby union teams over there, merge and play games. I, I can't remember that where they were going to play games. But so there is a an opportunity there in Newcastle to... Um, Maybe to be in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Like Hull. <laughs> yeah, I, tried, I don't even know what's in the middle of fucking uh, Leeds. It's the, York. It's the Yorkshire Moors. It'd be yeah, it'd be York or something like that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that th- there are opportunities there, and um, you know, it's it's an interesting time. I I hope it all works out. I really do. Yeah. Look, I think I think they're working on genuine 
good ideas at the moment to move forward. Yeah. They're not trying to stick with what had worked previously in the past. So that's something. Yeah, there's no it's no, you know, quick fix sort of things that they're looking at. They're they're hoping that everyone jumps on board to long term planning now. Yeah. Um Oh, that must about wrap it up, I reckon. Yeah, it's been a good episode. We've covered a lot of different subjects. We have. We've been look nothing short of brilliant, let's be honest. Yeah, well I wasn't gonna say anything, but <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna argue. That's no, thing. no, not at all. Not I've at pretty all. much hit that on the head. <laughs> As I always say, I don't give opinions, I just give facts. Yeah, well I, I just deal in facts as well. It's easier that way. Yeah, I find it is. Just spit out education and then leave. Mm-hmm. Um, well, people, make sure you check us out on the socials. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. It's been a while since I've done this one because I just <laughs> I stopped doing it for a while. Um, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. So check us out on all of those. Um, He's at League Freak. I'm at Andrew RLP. Um, make sure you subscribe. Leave us some comments on the podcasting as well. We haven't checked it for a while because, you know, you stopped doing it, so we stopped caring, but we'll try and get back into it again. <laughs> um, hyping it up. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, catch us all next time.